Hello and welcome to 15 Minutes in Hell. I'm Ed Zitron. It's a 15-minute interview show. Today, I'm joined by David Roth of Defector. David, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are things? They're going well. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is an excellent quarterback and the Raiders are thriving. Yeah. That's the thing that I know. This is. I'm and, so happy that you had me on to break down the uh, Raiders' depth chart. Yeah, the Raiders' depth chart and how deep it is. I'll actually start you with something fairly simple. Do you actually enjoy football? So, yes, is the short answer. The long answer is uh, that <laughs> the enjoyment is complicated by the fact that I know um, that it's bad. And also, I, I think it helps in some ways that uh, bad football is actually bad to me. Like, I can watch a sloppy NBA game and still sort of get something out of it. Yeah. I watch a lot of bad baseball just as a general rule uh, by dint of being a Mets fan and uh, someone who loves sitting down. Uh, but, I, but I think that bad football, uh, I will actually, like, turn the TV off and go do something else. So I guess while I enjoy it, there's still an aspect of it. It's kind of encouraging in some ways. I find it easier to walk away from than uh, than the bad versions of other sports that I enjoy more. Do you enjoy That's bad the, football? I mean, you you watch I, it. I have season tickets to the Raiders, and the answer is no. <laughs> and but I was thinking about this the other day about how football has just kind of broken down for me. It's just stopped being as fun somewhere between. The extreme stop and start nature, which is always part of football, of course, been watching since 2005. But also, it just feels like it's got more grisly and more. I feel like calling a sport corporatized is the wrong thing, but it just feels like more of a machine. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And I think that's also the way that football is bad. Like when a basketball game is bad, it's like either players are checked out or they're kind of not playing well you get that with like college basketball where you're like yeah. these guys need to make more fucking shots please like whereas with football the moments where it's at its worst i mean like it can be slow you know punt fest like there's all kinds of ways it can be bad but there's also moments where it like really pulls you up out of the experience and is like confronting you with the reality of what you're watching and basically demanding that you account for yourself in terms of like, this is what you want. Like you want to watch a bunch of guys run around like they got headaches. And then one of them suffers a seriously gnarly joint injury that you see on your television. That's your Sunday. And I don't know. It's a question everybody's got to answer for themselves. I've been, uh, I guess like my fear is that I would stop noticing that the question is being asked and just sort of be like, oh, well, they're going to a commercial break. Uh, like I'm actually at this point, like, actively enough put off by it i'm assuming that this is pegged in part to um the real terrible thing that happened to nick chubb last night on tv yeah nick chubb uh running back for the browns horrible injury but even the damar hamlin thing yeah a guy basically died on television thank god he's all right but he died on television but even when i started watching football uh, there was a guy i think a Bengals player who got paralyzed mm -hmm. and there are multiple times where guys have got Violent, horrible injuries. The Alex Smith injury of a few years ago, which he then came back from where his leg pretzeled, kind of like Joe Theismann. Yeah. And it just feels like there's no other sport on earth where I watch and there's almost a guarantee that someone gets physically hurt in a way that could ruin their life. Right. It's like on the menu of possible basketball experiences. Like I've seen some some gnarly stuff during college and NBA games, but it's like it's a way 
further down the list of things that might happen than, I mean, watching an NFL game, there is going to be an injury timeout. I mean, it is like also to the point where the broadcasts are, are shaped around it, you know, that like all of those broadcasters have in their selection of music cues, the like someone is badly hurt downbeat version of the theme that they play at the start of the right. show that like, you know, takes you off into commercial break. The thing with, uh, I was talking about this with, with Drew on the distraction, not very long ago about the way that the, the Chubb sort of injury was handled too is it depends how deep you are into sort of reading or caring or knowing about football that there was a way that it was talked about, you know, on air in terms of, you know, we've made the decision not to show you this. Like we don't think it's the right move to put it on TV. And I get all that to a certain extent, but I think it's also when you know about how NFL players are are treated and how sort of like fungible every role, including that of, you know, running backs, which was, this was, a new development like that is within the last few years that the league has decided to take the approach to running backs that um, I think a lot of companies take to their products where they're basically, you can get 65% of the production at 10% of the price. So we're going to do that. It's Nick Chubb is, is a star like Nick Chubb as a healthy, you know, back half of his career. He's a potential hall of fame candidate. And that is, you know, to see him sort of be, uh, treated as like sort of a, a detail or a rounding error and then just sort of erased and replaced with Jerome Ford in the story. Like you recast a child actor. De- De- Ernest, uh, what's his name? Oh, D. Ernest Johnson. Yeah. Yes. We love, we love D. Ernest. But that's the thing. For, for the non-sporting listeners, specifically Nick Chubb is a running back, which means he takes ball and runs with it and he's very good at it. Got horribly injured the night before of this recording. And... The current state of the NFL with running backs is that these are probably the, I don't want to say the worst paid role, but compared to wide receivers, the guys who catch the ball, quarterbacks who throw it, defensive linemen who hurt running backs, there there is a massive price push downwards and there has been a big off-season to do about this with running backs, basically, if not walking off, basically saying we're not going to play until we get paid fairly. But the problem is these guys do get injured. They get injured all the time because they're running into other guys at high speed. It's also a, it's a very important thing too. Like this is the other for non-sporting listeners. It doesn't sound like a good way to move a ball down a field. Like you give it to a dude and you're like, well, there's 11 guys trying to tackle you. Best of luck. Like we're going to do what we can. It isn't the most efficient way, but it is vital because you can't throw the ball all the time. And it does have the other aspect to it is that there is this almost like collusive lockstep in terms of how the teams have responded to this position, that there isn't one team that's willing to be like, all right, fine. If no one's going to fucking pay a running back, I'll do it. They have all seemingly arrived at the same uh, decision, which is that this particular uh, position is overpaid and we don't feel like it's important to us to um, have a player at that position that makes that big a difference. Like we'll have one that would make a smaller difference at a smaller price. Do you, do you think that, the NFL is the most evil sports league other than golf. I think golf doesn't count. Yeah, there's so there's a whole bunch of like international sports federations that are like comically like Blofeld grade evil, you know, like inside a hollowed out volcano FIFA shit. It's like embarrassingly corrupt and very evil and vile uh, as a pro sports league, though. Yeah, I mean, I think the NFL it's weird, though, because it's all sort of. 
it's about what flavor of like sinister American grandee you find most appalling because NFL owners are, I mean, you have to be very, very rich to buy a team and the league still has these rules. I imagine that these will fall by the wayside. The reason that there isn't an NFL team owned by like the Saudi sovereign investment fund is that there has to be like one person like an American was putting 30% of that money up themselves. And for, but as teams grow more and more valuable, at some point, it's not going to be possible for an individual to buy it. And that's where I think the NFL will eventually somehow find a way to get gnarlier. You know, that like it's all hedge fund guys and creeps. But right now, the NFL still has a lot of teams in the hands of people who maybe don't have a lot of money in other ways, not just like a Mark Davis thing where like, the family only ever did football as a business. He, right. But like a Jerry Jones type, I'm sure he has other investments and other things that he does, but the Cowboys are where the money comes from now. And if you were to try to sell the Cowboys for whatever their market valuation is, there really isn't an American, maybe Jeff Bezos, that could write a check for that amount. And so that's where like if the idea is that Jeff uh, – that Jerry – if the idea is that Jerry Jones, who is this like – like leathery horny petroleum creature like really just <laughs> all the the attributes of rich guys that you don't want to see he is just rocking those in spades the next person to own that team will be worse than him because it's going to be either like uh, a private equity fund or it's going to be mohammed bin salman you gotta admit though the nfl is going to be extra awful when they break that rule and you inevitably get the Saudi NFL team. Oh, yeah. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be like when they open the fucking ghost container unit at the end of Ghostbusters. Like, there's <laughs> like the whole world's population of Slimers are going to instantly <laughs> start trying to buy the Bengals from Mike Brown, and he is going to sell them to them. That will happen. So, on the subject of sports teams in general, though, do you think that these teams are extorting cities? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some more effectively than others, but yeah, I think that the challenge with it is at this point, and I think you can sort of see a consensus that has like evolved and I think is like fairly widely held that like it's not a good deal to build a big stadium with public money in town. That there's a, at the very least, there's many, many ways that you could spend that money that is likelier to generate like a social return on investment or just a return on investment return on investment that is superior to building a stadium. I think that's widely understood and yet it still keeps happening. I think the the one example that you can see of a, a city basically deciding to say no to it, uh, you know, in recent times is Oakland refusing to sort of capitulate to the demands of the person that owns the Oakland A's. And in that instance, you know, Las Vegas is saying that they're actually going to commit a bunch of public money to build a stadium at a place that uh, I go on the ESPN radio station there uh, on Tuesday mornings and I talk to the host there, Tyler and Ed, about like, is like this stadium in a good place? And they're like, no, it's the worst traffic corner in the city already. Yeah. And so the idea of just dropping it there. So th this is the thing about it. I don't, Oakland would build a stadium for the A's. They just don't want to like, do all of it and then give all of the ancillary stuff to this owner just on principle, you know, like let him develop the neighborhood around it. But they also want to build it in this place where you are combining, you're somehow combining the traffic of the strip with the traffic of the airport. Yeah. Which is so impressive. I mean, I realize the, 
A's are terrible and trying to be terrible, but this is honestly really cool. Yeah, like it, does, just, it has the feeling of being like one of those things that's like it's colossal enough of fuck up that you're like, well, let me just leave my ethics aside here and see how bad this might get. Yeah, let's see how badly this goes. We'll have our giant shitty stadium because at Legion, which is where the Raiders play, you don't even need to like sports to even consider these things. Allegiant is horrible. Yeah. It's a big... It, it isn't even people... I've heard people say, oh, it's like a casino. No, casinos are fun. Allegiant is like going to a strip mall. It has no charm, yeah. no charisma. There is nothing there, including the football product, that makes you feel happy. And the the fans of, like, all 80 Raiders fans, because everyone travels in to see this fucking team, yep. all of them are miserable. And you have this, what's actually very funny is you've got this mixture of people who've been watching the Raiders since anywhere from, like, n 1980 through, I started watching them in 2017, living in Oakland. And you get people like that, and people who've clearly become fans in Vegas, who are just sitting there, and they'll turn and look at you occasionally. And there's a sense of, <laughs> well, like, should I ask them, you should I ask them if it's always been like this? Yeah. Or do I know the answer already? But on top of that, it's just empty. It feels empty. And I think that's what the A's are going to do. Well, yeah, they don't have, I mean, the A's have a loyal fan base. In Oakland. In Oakland. And so the idea, the argument that they've made for why this is a good in, you know, idea for Las Vegas to put a stadium there is that, you know, these fans will travel, fans of visiting teams will be there and take advantage of all the hotel rooms in Las Vegas. And there are a lot of hotel rooms in Las Vegas. I don't think that like Brewers fans are going to fly there for an interleague game against a uh, A's team that, no. you know, is maybe going to lose 105 games again, you know, whenever they're there. It's going to be years for, you know, before this actually comes through. It's just, to me, this is like where I get offended by owners more than anything else. I, Mark Davis is sort of trying. He's just like not a guy that could have a real job. The owner of the Raiders, owner of the Aces. Yes, the owner. Of, yes. And so he's done a great job with the Aces, uh, at mostly because like I think it's easier to, you know, win and spend in the WNBA. There's there's less competition there. Right. With the NFL, like he clearly cares about the Raiders and wants them to be great. He's just like not a guy that could have a normal job. Like he no. shouldn't be in charge of something that's that big. But there's a lot of owners that I think have made this calculation. Some of them in baseball, especially they will say this where they're basically out about the fact that they're not trying to win, that it's not important for them. They get paid either way. They get their revenue sharing either way. People are still going to come to the games because there's only so many fucking things to do in Pittsburgh on a summer night. And that is like, that's the business model. They don't pretend that it's anything else. Like that to me, it's more than extorting the city that you're in. I mean, there's there's very obviously that. But it's also, it is looking people in the face and disrespecting them. Just basically being like, you'll take this. I know that you'll take it. And also like, I'm going to get money no matter what, because I got a TV deal and I got all this other stuff. And it doesn't matter how good or bad the product that I'm putting out here is. Therefore because I don't have to care, I don't care. There's enough of that in the culture as it is. When your actual leisure, you know, the choice that you are making at the end of a workday to go hang out and drink a beer and be with your friends or just choose some extra thing to care about, when that is treating you the same way that, like, 
the rental car place or your cable carrier is treating you, then like that is a, a bad spot. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure having you. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Wow, this really is 15 minutes. That's that's what they come here for. I would have so been-, been smart uh, if I'd known that. I, I just, I'm sorry. Dad, you were plenty smart. Thank you for listening to 15 Minutes in Hell. You can find it at wheresyoured.at slash podcast. Join us on the Discord at chat.wheresyoured.at. Thank you for listening. 